in the last few weeks, we've talked about uh, Jesus coming back. Uh, that he's going to come and he's going to rule as king. Uh, and he's mentioned the kingdom of God on several occasions. Uh, his ministry up to this point has been showing us the kind of king that he is. Uh, but the question then c- comes, well, what will his kingdom be like? If, if Jesus is going to come and rule... What will his kingdom be like? Uh, In the interaction we see in the text today, as we continue on through the Gospel of Luke, uh, this interaction with a woman uh, and the teaching that he gives after that is going to be some reminders of what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, So our sermon is titled, The Kingdom of the Compassionate King. The kingdom of the compassionate king. And that's who we've seen Jesus to be up to this point. Uh, The compassionate king. Uh, The the king that is moved to action to care for his people. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read the text. Luke 13, 10 through 21, and then I'll pray for us. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, woman, you are free from your free of your disability. Then he laid his hands on her and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, there are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on one of those. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, hypocrites, doesn't each one of you untie your ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all his adversaries were humiliated, but the whole crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things that he was doing. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And what can I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the sky nested in its branches. Again, he said, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Let's pray. Father, your word is good and true. We confess that. Help us be amazed at the the Savior that we have been given. Open our eyes to see. Help us live in light of that, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want us to see about Jesus' kingdom is this. In Jesus' kingdom, the overlooked are seen. In Jesus' kingdom, the overlooked 
are seen. Verse 10 through 12. Let's look at those three verses again. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, Woman, you are free of your disability. So Jesus teaching in the synagogue. We've seen this pattern before. Uh, of going to the synagogues on the Sabbath and teaching the people. Uh, we saw this on several occasions earlier in Luke as we've worked through this. It was part of his ministry pattern. And so uh, he would go in and teach the crowd. Sometimes he would go in and read the scriptures uh, to the people. And in verse 11 we see that this particular Sabbath... Uh, there's a familiar scene. There's someone in the crowd who is in need of healing. Uh, one of my commentaries mentioned that uh, the point of this, right, if this is a scene that we've seen before, uh, the point of including a story that's very similar is to say, has anything changed? Right? The last time that this took place, when Christ healed on the Sabbath, People, the religious leaders, were outraged that he had done a work on the Sabbath. And so the question is, now that he's continued on in his ministry for years now, and we see a similar scene, have the people changed? Have the religious leaders changed? The woman here, it says, is oppressed by an evil spirit. Um, we don't know if she was demon-possessed like we've seen in other texts, but at least at some point in time, uh, almost 18 years ago, uh, through the influence of Satan on her life, she has been left disabled, left unable to stand up, uh, hindered in even moving about, having to spend her days walking hunched over, with her face constantly staring at the ground. Now, this is an individual who would have been overlooked in her culture. First and foremost, this is an individual who had been overlooked because she was a woman. Uh, women weren't forbidden from being at the synagogue, but it wasn't a requirement. Uh, oftentimes they didn't attend at the synagogue regularly. Uh, and so just in the cultural context alone, she would have likely been overlooked. But when you add to that a physical disability, the people would have regularly overlooked her. The people would have regularly likely averted their eyes if they did see her. You've probably been there. Seen an individual suffering from something and it, something so severe it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable because of maybe sin in our own hearts. Uh, we look at individuals like that and we avert our eyes. This would have been this woman's life for 18 years. People ignoring her. People overlooking her. And then we're reminded again that our Savior is not like us. 
in verse 12, Jesus sees the woman and he immediately responds. Jesus sees the woman and calls out to her, recognizes her in the crowd and tells her that she's free from this disability. He saw the woman, he saw her need and was moved with compassion to actually care for her. And that's been the ministry of Jesus. We've seen it over and over throughout the gospel. Uh, The gospels remind us that Jesus sees us in our needs And he's not someone who looks away in disgust. He's not someone who looks away in just kind of a pity of like, oh man, that's terrible that it's that way. But it lets that compassion that he feels move him to action. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. Because they were distressed and dejected like sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the needs that were there and then was moved with compassion. We've talked about the language of that verse before. Uh, when it says he felt compassion on them or had compassion for them. It's talking about like in the deepest part of his being, in his guts, he felt for them. And not like a... Man, that's such a shame. But looking at them for who they were and knowing what God desired for them, knowing what God had for them, He was moved with compassion for them. He took action to care for the people that are overlooked in this world. A new kingdom was coming. And it already started, and it was a kingdom like no other. Those that the world overlooks are seen in Jesus' kingdom. Do you ever feel like nobody sees you or understands kind of what you're going through or cares? Jesus sees, Jesus cares, and His kingdom is one that you will experience that. In Jesus' kingdom, the overlooked are seen. That takes us to the second point. Back in Luke, in Jesus' kingdom, the broken are restored. This is a broken world. We feel it some days more than others, but it certainly is a broken world. And in Jesus' kingdom, the broken are restored. Verses 13 and 14. Back in Luke 13. Then he laid his hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, there are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. So not only does Jesus see her, but he approaches her, goes to her, lays his hands on her, so she can feel his loving touch. And she is instantly restored 
Instantly, the text says. Immediately. Luke and other Gospels do it too, but we've seen in Luke that language of the immediacy of healing, right? With the immediate presence of Christ in this woman's life, in this woman's situation, she is restored. She's fully restored to the way that God had intended her to be. She's not walking around bent over with her face constantly staring at the ground. She's upright. The language means like she was made straight again. As if nothing had ever been wrong. Her body had been broken and Jesus restored her. And how does she respond? She responds that you should respond with praise. She gives glory to God. Recognizing that the the work that Jesus has just done is the work of God in my life. And she burst into praise, giving glory to God for what has happened. And then in verse 14, we're reminded things haven't changed much for the religious leaders. The religious leaders, the leader of the synagogue, it says, is indignant. Indignant. Uh, and he doesn't address the he doesn't address Jesus directly, like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. He doesn't address the woman even. Still overlooking the woman. Uh, he addresses the crowd and says, Hey, The Sabbath is a day where you're not supposed to work. And so if you have something that you need, you come one of the other days. Today's not the day for this. Can you imagine being indignant over this situation? A child of God, broken by this world, broken because of the influence of Satan on her life, 18 years ago, who has been restored to the way that God had intended her to be, whose lips are now bursting forth with praise to God for the miraculous work that he's done. And the religious leader's response is he's indignant. He's outraged that Jesus has done it again. He healed someone on the Sabbath. See, he felt like there's, there's always a, a better time than right now. But certainly right now would have been the time for this woman to receive this restoration from God. And that's what Jesus will get to in a moment. But that's the work of God is restoration. Restoring us to what he had intended us to be. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read from the ESV from these verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The language there in verse 3. He restores my soul. That's who our God is, is one who restores us. The CSB, which we which I normally preach from, the language there is he renews my life. 
Our God is one who restores us to the way that we were God had intended us to be. He renews us. And Jesus, of course, the Good Shepherd, steps into the brokenness of this world and sees the brokenness and is moved with compassion to restore things to the way that they should have been. The broken and the worn out find restoration from God. So Jesus came bringing in the kingdom of God. And He came to restore things. So does your life feel broken at times? Certainly on some days it may not. Some days things are going great. But it doesn't take long for things to really shatter And feel completely broken. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Jesus can and will provide restoration. He can pick up the shards of our life. Whether it's because of our own sin or the sins of others. He can pick up all of that broken mess and restore it. Yes. In His kingdom, all the broken things will be restored. He makes all things new. And the third point we see in this text is this. In Jesus' kingdom, those in bondage are set free. In Jesus' kingdom, those in bondage are set free. Verses 15 to 17. So remember the, the... Religious leader, the leader of the synagogue, kind of scolds the crowd, uses that scolding of the crowd as a way to kind of scold Jesus and the woman. And Jesus has a response for him. But the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, doesn't each one of you untie his ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said these things, all his adversaries were humiliated, but the whole crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things that he was doing. Jesus rebukes the leader and rebukes Everyone who has that same thought calls them hypocrites and says, just think about your own life, your livestock, you would make sure we're taken care of your livestock. You would untie from their food and take them to water to make sure that they are cared for. You have more compassion for an animal than you do for one of God's children. For 18 years, she's been bound up. For 18 years, her life has been devastated by the effects of Satan. And Jesus says, shouldn't today of all days be a day for freedom? Shouldn't today of all days be a day that she receives the the freedom and the blessing that God had intended for her? 
Shouldn't the day of all days be a day where she experiences God in a new way? And her lips are turned to praise because of it. In verse 17, we see what the rebuke brings about. First off, it brings about humiliation for the synagogue leader and for those who thought like him. Those who thought, you know what, there's a better time than the restoration. There's a better time for something like this to take place. They were humiliated. But that wasn't all that it brought. The crowds were amazed. Uh, The crowds started rejoicing and bringing glory to God because of everything that Jesus was doing. All the glorious things that He was doing. The crowds gave glory to God for them. Right? So, it was a time of rejoicing because the new king had come. Uh, because he was bringing in a kingdom where those that are oppressed and those that are in bondage are set free. It was a time to give glory to God. Imagine that. Now, the reality is, we may not feel like it, but we all have been in bondage in our lives. John 8, verse 31 to 36, Jesus addresses this and He talks about the freedom that He came to give. John 8, starting in 31, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you continue in My Word, you really are My disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you'll become free? Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Jesus says, true disciples, true followers of me will continue on in my word. will continue to walk in obedience to what I've called you to do. And he says, you will know the truth. And he's talking about a person. He's talking about himself. He calls himself the truth in another place. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he goes on to say, and if you've been set free by me, you really are free. Free from sin. Free from shame. Now we often kind of have the same thought that the the Jews had here. What do you mean, slaves? We haven't ever been a slave. And he says, no, if you've sinned, you're a slave to sin. But I came to deal with that. I came to set you free from that. You don't have to be in bondage to that anymore. I came so that you could really be free. Imagine a kingdom where the people truly are free. Free from everything that keeps them bound up. Free from everything that keeps them oppressed. Free to be exactly who God wanted them to be. That's the kingdom of Jesus. He came to give us freedom. 
So this is the kingdom of our compassionate king. The prophet Isaiah said that this is what the king's kingdom would be like. And Jesus referenced that uh, earlier in Luke. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's quoting from Isaiah because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what the ministry of the promised Messiah was going to be. One of a compassionate king that truly cares for his people sees their need, restores them to what they should have been, and sets them free to live as God had intended them to do. And Jesus tells the crowd that day, this has been fulfilled. Right? I'm the fulfillment of that promise. The promised King who's coming. How does a kingdom like that Function in this broken world, right? Kingdoms of this world uh, ignore the broken, ignore the oppressed. At best, they ignore the broken and oppressed. Kingdoms of this world often use the broken and oppressed to build themselves up more. So how would a kingdom where a king who comes in and sees the needs of the people and restores them to what they should be, Sets people free from the things that are in bondage. How is that going to work in a broken world like we live in? Jesus tells us in the two short parables after that. Luke thirteen eighteen through 21. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and what can I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed that, the man, that a man took and sowed in his garden It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the sky nested in its branches. Again, he said, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like leaven that a woman took and mixed it into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. So two different examples. One, the parable of the mustard seed, mustard seed being one of the smallest of seeds. And he uses that as an example. The kingdom of God may start out seeming like an insignificant thing. Uh, It may seem small, like changing of a life of an individual who's completely overlooked. Changing of a life of someone who everybody else has not really cared much about. And yet... That is going to expand and grow in a miraculous way. Think about the mustard seed getting planted and it grows up to having branches that that birds of the sky can nest in. It grows into a larger place of refuge for even more to come in to have the refuge that God had intended it to be. He says you can't stop that expansion And again, with the image of yeast going throughout the flour, it says taking just like a small amount of leaven and putting it in a large amount of flour, 
50 pounds of flour and the yeast spreads throughout the entire 50 pounds because it starts out small. It starts out in what looks insignificant and then it explodes and expands and you can't stop it. Jesus' kingdom may look small and insignificant because it cares for the broken and the beat up and the needy. And he says, you won't be able to stop this. 2,000 years later, we see that that's still true. Because God's church, Christ's church, continues to grow, continues to expand. And one day, Christ will return and bring to completion the work that He has started So, in the story that we see today, the reality is, every one of us has been like the woman in some way. Maybe not oppressed by Satan for 18 years, but our lives are broken because of the effects of sin. And Christ has come in to provide restoration. He sees the need and wants to restore us. And set us free. So, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never believed in this Savior, in this compassionate King, today's the day to come into His kingdom. Because He really is the compassionate King that sees you and was motivated to do something about your situation. Do you feel overlooked? Jesus sees you. Do you feel broken by this world? He will restore you. Are you in bondage to sin and shame? He will set you free. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus, today's the day to trust in Him. Today's the day to come to Him. And if you want to know more about that, I'd love to share the good news of the Gospel with you of what Christ went on to do so that you could experience the restoration that He brings, so that you could experience the freedom that He has brought. And so schedule a time to talk with me. You can let me know on your way out, or you can fill out one of the yellow response cards uh, and say that you'd like to meet with the pastor, and I'd love to talk with you more. Church, we've been brought into the glorious kingdom of a compassionate king. So let's keep holding on to hope because Jesus is going to finish the work that he started. He will come and complete the task of fully healing, fully restoring, fully setting his people free. And so while we wait and while we hope, let's long for that full inauguration of his kingdom And until that day, let's be a people who shares the good news of the compassionate King with others. And let's be a demonstration of His compassion to this broken and burdened world for His glory. Let's pray. God, You are good and faithful and You always have been. Thank You for the Savior that's been provided, Jesus Thank you for having compassion on us. Continue to change us. Holy Spirit, if anyone has not trusted in Jesus today, help them see that this is the most important thing that they need.
Help them believe. And God, for your church, keep working with us. Keep shaping us and use us for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.